promise not to try and kill myself anymore. Save me and I swear I'll be a better father. I'll be a better man. I'll be a better everything. All I ask is, make me a better swimmer.
Mark Kopage is a child actor from Julia, which starred the legendary Diane Carroll. Mark Kopage is joining us today to share his hustle. Mark, how are you today? How are you? How are you doing today, Mark? Good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm, I'm very good. Very good, thanks. Uh, glad you're joining us, sharing your hustle. Uh, and, and, you know, yours is a story worth discussing because you have a book titled Television's First Black Child Star. Uh, well, we're working on a book. Okay, you're working on Okay, so, I mean, it's not titled yet. Well, uh, through a conversation I had with Miss Diane Carroll, uh, who starred in a series that I was in with her many years ago, mm -hmm. uh, through the course of our conversation over dinner, she had uh, suggested that title to me before she passed. Mm -hmm. So now, and, and now, and you, now, and you knew, well, you were friends for over 50 years. Uh, you know, uh, I, she's been in and my, out of my life for over 50 years, but I sure. can't say that it was a continuing, continuing kind of thing. Sure. But, uh, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with her, uh, not too long before she passed. I want to start in the beginning. Now, now, were you, were you, were you an actor before you auditioned for Julia? Nope, had no interest in acting whatsoever. I did do a small part when I was about six weeks age, somewhere around there, in a movie called Tammy and the Doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was only in one scene. Um, but, uh, but my mother and father were both actors, so I'm assuming that that's how I found myself in that movie. And, um, then, uh, fast forward five years, my father was visiting his agent to drop off some pictures, and I was with him, and his agent, uh, suggested that I go out for this Julia role because he thought I would be right for the part, but I had no previous ambition to act. Now, uh, were you always, or I mean, were you uh, an L.A. native? Mm-hmm, okay. yeah, okay. born in Los Angeles. So, I mean, but, but I mean, you were six years old at that time that that the audition came about. I mean, I mean, five years old. Oh, I'm sorry, five years old. But I mean, but before you were five, I mean, you knew what your mom and dad did for a living, correct? I don't know. I knew it when I before I was five, but I know that they 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 actually met on the set of a Chrysler television commercial. My mother was a dancer and actress, and my father was a actor, a uh, musician too. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they met on the set of uh, a television commercial. Now, as far as the Julia process, as far as the auditioning, I mean, 
I mean, you know, was it a, you know, we're talking about a five, six year old, you know, you know, black, you know, black boy, I mean, or black boys, I mean, I mean, do you have an idea of how many auditioned? I would guess around a hundred, nowhere near there would be how many would audition nowadays for, for a role of uh, something that prominent. Network, I mean, yeah. Nowadays you have, you know, a couple of thousand submissions for, for a few lines on some show. Um, but I think it was somewhere around the neighborhood of a hundred, which is, you know, relatively small amount compared to the way things are done today. I mean, it's a whole different game today. I mean, you wouldn't even get an audition for that, most likely, unless you were network approved. I mean, even small roles, it seems like uh, it's a uh, committee kind of decision. Could you, you know... Could you please expound, and, and, and I'm sure, well, I, I, I would trust a lot, of, a lot of our conversation today, or at least a, a portion of it's, you know, going to appear in, you know, in your book, but could you share with our audience the network experiences, I mean, and, you know, even, you know, the comparisons and contrasts for today versus, you know, 1968, you're auditioning you know, up against, you know, we'll say a hundred, six, five, six, seven-year-olds, uh, you know, you know, uh, and, you know, in one type, only one type only. Uh, I mean, could you just, could you describe that process from that hundred on? I mean, I mean, how long did it take? Well, I don't really know. I know that I didn't want to do it at first, uh, the, that I had to be, I, I didn't want to even go out on the audition at first, but then, I was asked again, and then when I went out on the audition and through a process, found myself auditioning for the producer, Hal Canner, who really liked me a lot, maybe for, by, you know, might have been because he didn't want a kid that was trying to be an actor and just was looking for a, a normal kid, which is a lot easier mm-hmm. than it is. I mean, these days, these five, six, seven-year-olds, you just watch them on these talk shows and they're like little adults. Yeah. Um, they're just so schooled and trained in, in everything. It's just a much different kind of situation. Um, you know, television still hadn't been around for all that long, and I think we were just getting into color TV. Uh, Julia was filmed in color, but I think it was one of the earlier shows that was even in color. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, from what I understand, the producer kept asking, and finally I said yes. You know, the <laughs> producer would ask my father, my father would ask me, and then eventually I said yes, that I would do it. Now, you know, after you, now after that yes, uh, you know, how soon was turnaround for you, you know, with this decision of, okay, now you... Now you get a script. Now you've got to go to this table read. I mean, you know, what was, what, you know, what was that time frame was between that yes to that pilot episode? I can't really remember. I can't even really remember a table read. Uh, I remember a lot of the wonderful people that I worked with, uh, Lorraine Tuttle and Lloyd Nolan and Ned Glass, um, had a lot of great, wonderful guest stars on the show, 
like Groucho Marx, uh, Bob Hope, Glenn Turman. Um, uh, shoot, I shouldn't be forgetting his name, but the, Paul Winfrey. Yeah, Paul, uh, Paul, Paul Winfield, Paul Winfield. Yeah, yeah. Really wonderful people, and I, you know, haven't mentioned, you know, I probably mentioned 5%. I mean, those names might not even mean anything to your audience. I don't know what your demographics are. Uh, you know, uh, those are people that aren't even alive anymore, but, you know, they were known as being very uh, uh, wonderful character actors that had had quite a distinguished career before Julia. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Ned Glass was in West Side Story, which yeah. is a, yeah. a historical kind of movie. And not to mention Miss Carol that, you know, had a long career or a very promise, uh, a very uh, prominent career as a singer mm-hmm. selling out in Vegas mm-hmm. consistently as well as uh, starring on Broadway. No, so indeed. All those people that are, you know, I'd say... 90% of the people that I work with um, had pretty significant careers before Julia. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, Fred Williamson, I mean, I mean, you know, he was, you know, he... He came in in the third year. Third, third. And Fred Williamson actually is uh, quite, quite an interesting, in fact, I, I'm going to de- devote a whole chapter to him in my book, but Fred Williamson had, he came in in the third year and he had, had, you know, pretty much no acting experience and uh, just happened to be watching the show. I think he was living in Canada at the time and decided that that Diane Carroll needed a steady boyfriend on the show. So he basically did something very similar to what Diane Carroll did to get the role in Dynasty and were, you know, basically called up the producer and said, you need to cast me in your show. <laughs> and uh, it's one thing when Diane Carroll does it that already had built quite a successful name for herself in the business yeah. versus Fred Williamson doing it that, you know, really his claim to fame was uh, having been in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's got a great, great history, you know, as a football player too, Super Bowl ring, which he will – Probably show you. Absolutely. You run into him. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, pretty much no acting experience, and you know, he basically did the same kind of thing. Said, "Look, you need to add a steady boyfriend for for Diane Carroll's character." And like a week later, he was written into the show, something like that, some <laughs> relatively short period of time. But you know, that takes a lot of. Uh, a lot of foibles. For sure. Most deaf, most deaf, most deaf. I mean, well, I mean, and he was coming off. Fred is that kind of guy. Yeah. Oh. There's some people like him. Yes. Like Diane Carroll. Yes. They are not people that sit around and wait for things to happen. They will make things happen. And they have the kind of personalities. I don't know if personality is the right word, but you know, they will be successful at whatever they do. There are just some people like that that are not going to take no for an answer, and they are going to be the driving force in their success. And I have a lot of admiration for both of them. I don't know if they dated at all in in real life, and I kind of think that it would have been a disaster if they did, because I do find them very similar in that way. They're very... uh, 
you know, once both of them, once they set their mind to do something, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you just, you know, you mentioned, you know, that, you know, that distinguished group of guest stars, you know, plus, you know, your recurring, uh, your recurring actors like Fred. Describe set life, uh, because, you know, you, you know, especially at a young age for you. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, describe, you know, as far as, you know, be, you know, being on the set, basically as a resident, if you will, you know, with Julia as a regular, as a, you know, on a guest star in certain guest shows. And Say that again? As far as, I mean, just, you know, let's talk about set life. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're a regular on a show, if you're a guest, if you, when you make guest appearances on shows and, and especially back then, I mean, it's prominent now, but back then with the talk and variety shows, I mean, just describe those experiences as far as on set, uh, uh, Conduct, uh, behavior, uh, memories. I mean, I mean, I would love to hear that because you know, you've you know, you've done a game show here and there. You've done some, you know, you've done you know some talk show appearances, and and you've done some guest stars. I mean, with like Sanford and Son, uh, Doctor Kildare, uh, Temperatures Rise. I mean, just you know, describe that actor's life experience. Well, of course, when you're a regular on a show, you know that's your show. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that age that I was on Julia, you know, I was just a kid and, you know, pretty much running, running around as most kids will do. And, and uh, uh, you know, I had my three hours of school and they always got me out on time. Um, as I got older, you know, of course, you know, there's more, I mean, you could be, it's more nerve wracking when you have a couple of lines at something. Mm-hmm. Then when you're the lead, because if you have a couple of lines and you blow it, you don't really want them to do another take <laughs> off that. Whereas if you're the lead, you know, the leads are blowing things all the time. Right, I mean, right, right, you know, right. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> but, yeah, it does, yeah. You know, yeah. When, when, but having a couple of lines in something can can often be more nerve-wracking than when you are the lead. Right. I mean, did, did you ever feel like you ever had a situation of where maybe behind the scenes you, you might have felt like, okay, maybe they might try to get another Corey? And that's an actor's... I too much fan to think that. I mean, first of all, those kind of things weren't even going into on in my mind it's it's a much more innocent and and naive kind of time especially if you were a kid yeah and kids these days might be having thoughts like that nervous breakdown straight up yeah never would have entered my mind um in fact the couple of episodes that my character wasn't in the show there was a lot of response from the audience uh wanting to know why i mean i was definitely miss uh from the episodes that i wasn't in and i did receive quite a bit of fan mail from from people uh so you know well, well and, and you know and you know and, and that's you know that says a lot because you know you're you get, you're getting either either at that time 1968 69 70 you're either getting immediate mail telegrams or 
even phone calls. I mean, you're not getting the, the emails or the Twitter or anything like that. I mean, you're getting, I mean, yeah, I mean, the studio, the producer's getting it right away. And, I mean, they, you know, that, that says a lot. I mean, I mean you know, they, no, that's, no, that's neat. That's neat. Now, as far as, but now, as far as, you know, your, as far as your guest appearances on different shows, different talk shows, I mean, uh, you know, you know, you know, any, any knowledge you would, ex- experience you wish to uh, share with that? Well, you know, same as any actor. I mean, especially, I didn't really get interested in acting again until my last semester of my junior year. Mm-hmm. That's when I started to actually take it seriously. And then, of course, more seriously when I got out of high school, because uh, then you're faced with having to get a real job for a living. Right. So acting looks certainly much more attractive, uh, but all through elementary and high school, even though I did guest appearances from time to time, it was really off my father's initiative and kind of keeping me going in that direction than my necessarily wanting to do it. I, you know, actually preferred playing sports with my friends after school than going out on any auditions. And, uh, you know, being playing Little League Baseball and Pop Warner Football and, you know, being part of the Cub Scouts. Mm-hmm. Those things were much more attractive to me than than going out on an audition or even or even uh, doing a role on something. It really wasn't until my last year of my junior year in high school that I got interested. And that was uh, due to a gentleman by the name of Sean Ingle that was my high school director who later went on to play the the patriarch of the Quartermain family on General Hospital. So it's kind of interesting that his career actually took off after he retired from teaching. All right. Um, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but he was a motivating factor for all. I mean, the high school I went to, we had a lot of people... Uh, that went on to become successful actors uh, or successful in entertainment in general. I remember Lenny Kravitz hanging around the drama department all the time, so it's not a surprise that he's ventured into acting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas Cage, Crispin Glover, Gina Gershon, um, David Schwimmer. I mean, John Engel is responsible for mentoring Richard Dreyfus, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, for many, many people that have gone on to become successful in the entertainment field uh, uh, over the past 50 years. <laughs> I, you know, you should never take this the, the wrong way. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I've been acquainted with you for a little while. I mean, you know, you, you know, just... The, the names you described there, plus who started it all, and then you go on with that with Diane Carroll, you know, in, in even the tiniest way, because you've survived this, I mean, you know, you're a part of, you know, that old Hollywood, and, you know, that becomes kind of neat, you know, when you survive it, and when you look back, and when you still enjoy doing it, uh, I mean, you, know, you mentioned John, you mentioned Diane, I mean, any other... 
any other positive influences that you've had over the years that you know that you, back then you met, I know you had mentioned uh, Lloyd Nolan uh, but I mean any others you know th- along the way I mean positive and even you don't even have to mention names but just along the way of maybe a negative influence of maybe watching this actor here or this director there I met quite a few celebrities both as I was uh, on the Julia show and uh, many years afterwards uh, when I was, you know, working as a Hollywood cater waiter. Uh, you know, we did the Academy Awards every year. I mm-hmm. worked the Emmys and Golden Globes and, uh, 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 what do you call it, the uh, Grammys. Um, I mean, I remember Sammy Davis Jr. teaching me how to do the time stage backstage at the Jerry Lewis telethon and, you know, playing at the house of Jerry Lewis's kids, um, you know, doing a foxtrot with Carol Burnett uh, when I uh, uh, was in Cotillion. Um, and, uh, you know, wonderful memories of Dick Van Dyke, when, you know, when I was on a, a show performing a skit with him. Not so wonderful memories of uh, some people, too. Um, maybe I shouldn't say their names, but some people, you know, were very rude. A, a, a minority mm-hmm. amount of people, you know, most of them were very gracious. Uh, Buddy Hackett, um, the Smothers Brothers, um, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, when I was doing uh, some extra work on the color purple, bringing me into her dressing room and and just saying how uh, how wonderful it was to have me on the set, oh, and uh, you know she was quite quite gracious. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting experience, you know, especially when you're coming into contact with high-profile celebrities at uh, different levels of your career. Mm-hmm. Now, you know you you've mentioned the, the the day work. You know, you know after you became an adult. Uh, you know, in between extra work, extra work. You're talking about. Well, well, no, well, that's, well, 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 that's something my father got me into, thinking it would be a good idea for my career, but that never really panned out. So. Well, well, I mean, you know, it's a seg. I mean, as far as, you know, there's the day work with with the catering work and the background work. But, you know, from 1968, you know, we go 50 years later, you know, as far as, evol- you know, your involvement of, you know, of the craft. I mean, as far as going to classes, teachers, uh, you know, what do you pay attention to as far as, you know, as far as, uh, you know, your technique, your style, as far as y- y- what you do when you when you do have an opportunity to get an audition or go on stage. I definitely do enjoy the work, and, you know, I've still continued to do things here and there throughout the years. Stage as well, and one of the most gratifying, you know, I've had the chance to work with some wonderful cast when I did the Los Angeles premiere of Runaways, which was a... a uh, Elizabeth Suedo's play Mm -hmm. uh, and it was quite a success in New York and then I did the premiere of it here in LA Um, Jennifer what's her name Uh, man 
she went on to become a big star. It's a lot of Jennifer's. Uh, Jennifer <laughs> Lately? She was, she, was, she was in Fast Times at Rich, Richmond High. Oh, Jennifer, yeah, yeah, Jennifer Jason. Jennifer Jason. Jennifer Lee. Jason. Lee, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, so yes. I got to play her, her pimp for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, and that was, you know, a, a big hit at that time. In fact, Nicolas Cage and Eric Stokes and Ali Sheedy. Sheedy mm-hmm. I actually went on to work with Ali Sheedy and couple of afternoon specials as well as a, um, a series that, you know, only went about five episodes, but, um, um, what was my point? <laughs> what were we talking about? What was the subject? Uh, craft, as far as, you know, how, you know, uh, how, but I do really enjoy the work. I still enjoy the work. I've always enjoyed, uh, being in acting class or doing, uh, theater, mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I've never really enjoyed is the audition process and, you know, it certainly helps if you do enjoy the audition process as well. Did did you, and this is with any actor, regardless, you know, male, female, ethnicity, I mean, especially if you're involved in the game for so long, after, after a matter of time, you have to reinvent yourself. Uh, have you thought about in, in your in your past? You know, when you when you've been involved when you've been involved, you know, in the game in the hustle. Uh, if, if there were teachers, maybe you should have went to, or if there were, or you know, if there were other alternatives as far as you getting the work that you felt like, you know. I, you deserve. Yeah, I studied with some really wonderful teachers. I have no regret, regret, uh, regret there. And you know, I did get to a point where, in fact, one of my teachers had given me a month free, and they had never done that with anyone before. And another one, you know, that said that my work had gotten so solid at that point that even when I was off. I was still good, which meant even when I was having an off day, I could still give a good performance. Um, um, I don't really have any regrets for that. What, what, what else was in your question? There was something, I'm, I'm at that age where I lose my train of thought. <laughs> well, 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 and I said, well, let me ask you this, I mean, because this was at the SEG. Now, if... You know, if you if you've been a child actor, uh, and and you know, this include you know includes the ones that maybe have gotten into trouble uh, in their teen years, early adult years. Oh, I think you know, now I know what the other part of that was. So uh, yeah, I did go through a stage of you know wanting to change my image because mm-hmm. I've always been thought of as a nice guy. Change the nice look, the whole thing, thing and mm-hmm. wanting to, in fact. Do center a chapter around that whole change, you know, Sweet. All becoming right. a bad boy kind of kind of thing. Um, I even changed my name, which was a mistake. Uh, first time I ever got dropped by an agent was when I changed my name. Um, you know, I just wanted to try something fresh, try a new start kind of thing. But from an agent's standpoint, you know, who you know, I spent. A considerable amount of years building up a name. Right. So, what agent wants to represent someone that nobody knows? So, 
the name change was not a a good idea. Mm-hmm. God, good. Now, <laughs> but you know, everything doesn't center around acting. Uh, you know, in fact, one of the premises in my book is is that you don't have to have been on a hit television show or a groundbreaking show to write your memoir. If you've lived a certain amount of years on this planet, mm-hmm. everyone has a story to tell. And, you know, I've had some interesting experiences, uh, you know, when I was working for a sex therapist that, that had a uh, rather underground cult kind of following. Uh, you know, I worked in the adult entertainment industry for some years. I've had a lot of different jobs and I means just uh, even growing up in, in, in Beverly Hills, you know, being two of two black kids in, in our whole grade and probably less than a handful in the whole school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was during the early 70s and, you know, it wasn't long before schools were even integrated at that point. Um, you know, and not growing up without you know, with a mother figure, really. Um, um, issues with, with my father, uh, you know, as far as, you know, the way he handled my finances and stuff. Um, traveling around Europe for a year. Um, you know, I, I can't complain. I've, I've led, led a pretty full life. This is a double question. Now, do you think child actors, uh, if they want to do it, uh, if they have the passion, uh, the drive, do you think they would? Do you think overall they make good producers l- later on in their life if they choose to do that? If they choose not to be too self-destructive, and you know, number two, uh, you've lived that full life away from the stages, the studios, all that, and, and you're back in it. Uh, and, you're, you know, you're back in it on camera, and most of us in this day and age, we do have to mix it in. Uh, w- no, I think in, anyone is wise to have uh, another source of income other than, than acting. For sure. Um, 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 um. um as far as uh, being them being good producers, I mean, I, I I would suggest any child in the business to learn the other things. It's great, you know, that they're acting and interested in acting and wanting to continue to be actors. But the fact is that there are more jobs behind the camera than in front of the camera. So I would encourage people to learn not only about producing and directing and writing, uh, but to also learn. Uh, what the cameraman does, what the the lighting guy does, to learn what other people on the set do, because it is a, generally speaking, it is a good living if you can get into it and, you know, you know, learn how to edit film and television. I mean, those people, those unions keep them working. I think the editor's union is one of the, the strongest union, unions out there. Mm. Uh, and uh, if you can get steady work in, in any area of the business, it's, it's a good living. And two, um, 
other aspects of the business, the more it's even going to help you as an actor. Indeed. Now, I mean, you've been uh, you've been in the city uh, and a part of the business for over fifty years. Uh, would you, would you be kind to share over the course of your experience to the audience any LA any Hollywood myths? Any any myths that maybe you've been waiting for a long time? I mean, some that might be in the book, some that might not. But just to, to share with the audience, if, if there's whether they're in the Midwest, whether they're overseas, L.A. or Hollywood myths, please. I don't know. I mean, you've seen there is a casting couch. I, I've never really had to deal with that. But I know a lot of people who have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how much this Me Too movement has changed things, but uh, but you know, I know I, I I know more than a handful of women that have been chased around some producer's desk. Um, but like I said, you know, I, I've never felt that I've you know had to deal with those kind of things. Um, myths. And it's, and it's not just limited to you know to even industry. I mean, just even in the city. I mean, like you know, over over fifty years of change. I mean, like I said, you've seen stuff. So I mean, I, I would I would I, I you know you, you know in you know in a small way, you live the life of once upon a time in Hollywood by all means. I mean, I mean, and you know, and even back then, with the setting of that movie during that time. I mean. You know, you know, you know. There's, you know, there's stuff that you live through. So, you know, you know, you know. This makes it fun. No, um, I mean, yeah. I remember one thing that Marvin Page told me that that turned out to be true. I mean, as I mentioned, I had been doing some extra work on. Uh, well, anyway, regardless of how I got involved in it. But anyway, I remember one thing that he told me. Uh, because my father was kind of putting pressure on me to to try and get that kind of work. And I had met Marvin Page, and I had asked him about it, and he told me if I decided to do it, that there is nothing. He was at the time the uh, head casting director for General Hospital. Mm-hmm. And I still work on that show from time to time. I mean, with what's going on right now with the COVID and everything, that's kind of come to a, a stop, yeah. too. Um, but, uh, basically he said, if I chose to do that, that there's no way that I would be considered for anything other than an under five on that show and truer words were never spoken. Uh, you know, over the 30 years that I've probably been working on that show on and off, I've never been called on to read for anything. And I'm not blaming anyone for that. It's just the reality. And I'm not even saying that other shows are like that, but for whatever reason, that seems to be the unwritten rule on that show. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anyone else that has broken that in this time or not. I have done under fives on that show, but uh, but, uh, I think in LA in general, and maybe things have changed, I haven't really been actively pursuing it um but so you know maybe things have changed but from what i remember la is very different in the way that 
you know, once you decide to do acting roles, it's very difficult to, I mean, extra roles, it's very difficult for them to take you seriously to do acting roles, where New York, I believe, is different. You have a lot of actors that will do extra work on the side, but in L.A. there does seem to be a stigma of, you know, if you start getting known around as being an extra right. on a show, um, they they won't consider you for acting roles. And extra has its own, you know, perks too. Perks right. for lack of a better word. Right, I mean, right. There's some people that are making six figures as an extra. Uh, uh, I mean, there's kind of a uh, hierarchy in that, too. And they're happy just doing that. I mean, I, I, well, very content. you're lucky enough to get in that club, that's yeah. the whole, I mean, it yeah. can be hard, it, it can be as hard getting steady union extra work as acting work. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, you know, especially if you're doing a television commercial, you know, those extras are making, I don't know what the scale is, I think it was somewhere around 350 a day when... I was last doing it. Um, if you're working on the weekend, it's it's uh, uh, twice that. Plus, if you're doing, if you're in that, I mean, there's I know people that you know were doing extra work in commercials uh, for you know five six days a week, mm-hmm. and and they would get upgraded a certain percentage of time just off the numbers. I mean, wow. you're, you're, you can more likely be get upgraded working background in a television commercial. Or at least you used to could. I, you know, I don't know how things have changed. It's probably the last five years. Probably more than that. I probably haven't done extra. Well, no, I still do General Hospital every now and then. But other than General Hospital, I haven't really done. And that's only because they call me. They're nice enough to call me. And, yeah, I'm still putting a little something into my acting pension or whatever. And they're very nice down there and I appreciate them for, you know, continuing to to use me for all these years, Mm -hmm. but I really haven't done probably extra work in like 25 years. (laughs) Um, um, But, you know, if you can get into that where you're working that much, you can make six figures easy. So, you know, the commercial is probably the, the biggest thing one would want to get into if you can get into being a regular extra like something like a hill street blues and kind of dating your your audience you know, like some, yeah. show now. Mm-hmm. but like some <laughs> show that revolves around a police station or fire station or whatever um you know that that can be a good gig i know uh, when just shoot me was on i was doing it for that and they'd serve us you know you were treated more or less like part of the cast right and you know, I, I remember they would feed us sushi and gourmet kind of meals on the taping days, and you knew you had two to three days uh, uh, a week of work. Mm-hmm. You know, being a stand-in is a good gig, too. They, they're definitely treated like part of the cast. No, absolutely, absolutely. Generally, they'll throw stand-ins a line here and there, and, you know, when you get a line, you get residual, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Um, nice. Soaps are generally good too. Um, um, you know, you're not going to be generally speaking working as much. You know, probably the the central casting, unless you know someone 
is probably one of the worst. I mean, I remember working uh, some shows uh, as an extra through central casting where, uh, you know, things were burning up and being blown up so close to me that I could feel my hair get singed by the heat. And, and you know, working shoots at 2 o'clock in the morning with man-made rain and they've got nowhere for you to shelter afterwards. I mean, there's some horrible, horrible extra jobs, too. Oh, yeah, but, uh, for sure. You know, I guess it depends on who you, who you know. So I've definitely seen the the high and the and the low from traveling around in limousines with police escort and right. staying at 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 uh, presidential suites and hotels and being given keys to the city by their mayors to work as an extra with with stuff blowing up all around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, and right. Let, let me ask you this before we close out, uh, because you you know you you were definitely talking about the you, your actor's experience. I mean, as, as far as the hotels, the the crafty, you know, once we're in this post world, I mean, with studios and everything. I mean, what do you ex- what what changes do you expect? I mean, you know, on-set life. You mean changes with, like, the viruses? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. Oh, that would be very interesting, you know? I I don't think Zoom is going to take the place of things. You know, maybe they'll advance the technology more, but, you know, I'm I'm not seeing that so far. Um, It's kind of good that we're taking a break from a lot. I'm understanding that the air has cleaned up quite a bit since people have been on lockdown and crime has gone down quite a bit. It's kind of a shame that uh, it would take a crisis like that for that to happen. It's also kind of a a shame that it seems to have not uh, helped any of the division in our politics. It seems like everything is still politics. And from what I'm understanding, the last... uh, Stimuluses they pass that greatly favor big corporations and the rich and the working class people and small businesses are still getting screwed. So it's kind of unfortunate that people can't, you know, put a break on all the politics and do what's best for for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like a lot of people have come together. It seems like there's still a lot of hate going on one side against the other. Um, I mean, there are definitely some good things, you know, as far as deeds, you know, people doing things for other people, but I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of sad. It's like, uh, it's like even, even during a pandemic, Everything is just still so corrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh. it, you know, it really has to do with who's getting paid and who's got power, and people with power just don't want to give that power up. Before I let you go, uh, I would. One of my favorite photos that I've ever seen. I mean, and 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 it doesn't mean that just be. And it's not just because it's two actors. But one of my favorite photos I enjoy looking at, and I've saved it, you know, it's stashed away. It's a photo of Diane Carroll and James Garner uh, 
holding hands during uh, during King's March. I don't know how many stories or how many moments you shared with this this woman, but if there were just a couple of nuggets that you could share, you know, for the audience to close our show, I I would be greatly obliged. Well, um, you know, she's always been a big civil rights uh, activist and supporter of that. Uh, I actually had written a a movie of the week called The Courtship of Julia Baker, where I had uh, uh, the character, this is when he was still alive, Bill Bixby, mm-hmm. uh, from The Courtship of Eddie's Father, courting and eventually marrying Julia Baker. Shut uh, up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, 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 you know, unfortunately, you know, I could never get it, you know, greenlit, but... Wow. But, uh, wow. But uh, me and Diane are very similar also in, you know, a affinity for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up primarily in a Jewish environment and, you know, been to countless bar mitzvahs. And <laughs> Diane Carroll <laughs> is definitely a, uh, what's the right word for it? Uh, but she <laughs> identifies very strongly with the Jewish uh She a yenta? Well, a great affinity for the Jewish people. Um, um, I don't know what her reasons are. I mean, mine are kind of because, you know, that's really my childhood. You know, I grew up around that. But I know that she has a, a big affinity for that, too. And is, you know, colorblind as well. She's dated all kinds of people in her life. Yeah. I mean, trailblazer... Par excellence. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of a kind. I, 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 you know, vividly recall the you know last time I saw her when we were singing. Uh, we were singing. I had playing in my car. There will never be another you, and we were singing along to it. Oh. And uh, that is in fact her. There will never be another one like her. What was Diane Carroll's hustle? She was just a very driven person. Uh, um, she was very pro proactive. You know, I don't know if that's just in some people's DNA, uh, but she would have been successful if she would have decided to be an, an architect. She would have been a trailblazer in that. If she would have decided to be a a a, a dress designer. I mean, she was, she was just one of those kind of people that would bust doors open. She did not wait for things to happen. She was a very proactive kind of person. And everything that she obtained in her life, she fought for. You know, there was mm. no one that uh, yeah. just gave, gave her to me. She, of course, she had a, a lot of help and, you know, was surrounded by some wonderful people and talented people to, to help her, but uh, she was definitely the, you know, mm. she was definitely the, the motivating force and factor in everything that she did. <laughs> uh, there, I would have, there's not even a doubt in my mind. Mark, 
thank you so much for the time. Uh, please, even though we do, you don't have a title yet for your book, please. Uh, uh, that's, the, that's the working title. I'm kind of going to go with that unless, you know, I'm in the process of uh, putting together a proposal now and will ultimately uh, start pitching to agents and publishers. So that's my, my working title, Television's First Black child star um, via, you know, Diane Carroll, who suggested it, but, you know, who knows, you know, once other people get involved, what might change, but, you know, I'm going to go for that now, I mean, someone brought it to my attention, The Little Rascals, <laughs> but that was a movie, uh, it was a, a uh, actually a series of movies called The Our Gang Comedies that was later syndicated for television and renamed The Little Rascals. Right, so, right. Um, so, I'm going to go with what Miss Carol has told me for now. <laughs> we look forward to reading that book. Mark, thank you so much. You, you are so welcome, All right. Tony. Stay are, you, are you still with the Dodgers? Uh, st still with the Dodgers, whatever they want me to do, which, of course, like the rest of us, uh, is nothing. So, uh... We'll see what happens, but... Uh, yeah, I know. I spent some time working down in the dugout club there some I, years ago, um, which was quite an interesting experience. I I will decide whether I shall include that in my book as well. <laughs> no, I know. I dig. Thank you. 